Check it out. Hi everyone, my name is Lee. On today's episode, I'll be talking with John Didlick, Executive Officer of Hepatitis ACT. We're going to be chatting about one of the ways we can prevent bloodborne viruses in prisons. I can't wait for this one. Check it out. LGBTIQ Health, Lifestyle and Community News. Check it out. Is brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone. Check it out. We're talking about hepatitis, perhaps a controversial side of hepatitis, and that is hepatitis in correctional facilities, mm. better known as jail. Mm. So, John Diglick, can you tell me about NSPs in prisons? What is an NSP? An NSP is a needle and syringe program. That's what the acronym stands for. And NSPs can look like uh, a whole range of different things because there's different models and settings in which they operate. Um, So an NSP in a prison um, would be different to an NSP in a community, but they would both serve uh, the same purpose, which is the regulated supply of sterile injecting equipment as a harm reduction initiative. Yeah. So we would would have an NSP in a prison to reduce harms associated with injecting drug use and also to reduce the harms associated with unregulated supply of injecting equipment. And you could say, well, what, how, they're the same thing, but they're not really. Um, so the harms of injecting drug use might include the transmission of bloodborne viruses, whereas the harms of an unregulated program, such as one that exists in our prisons now, might also include harmful needle stick injuries to staff. That is a consequence of an unregulated prison NSP is that it's harmful to staff. However, the obvious implication of unregulated access to unsterile injecting equipment is the transmission of bubble viruses. So if we talk about NSP in the prison, and this has had plenty of column inches over the half a dozen years in the ACT, um, the arguments against an NSP include people shouldn't be doing drugs. Particularly not in prison. Particularly How not in prison. How do they get it? That's right. They shouldn't be doing that. That's contraband, you know, isn't it? That's right. Um, didn't they go to prison for drug offences in the first place? We don't. We shouldn't be enabling their drug use. Um, and I understand that argument. I don't agree with that argument in any way, I should state. But I understand that argument. And that, that's coming from the counterfactual, that somehow, some way, drug-free prisons are possible. We just got to get stuff right. Can't we just squeeze them harder or something? Search them more, deny them visits, increase penalties because that works. Because punishing drug users has always worked in the past, hasn't it, John? Incredibly effective. But I don't give those arguments Mm. any store at all. With prison NSP, with um, injecting drug use in the community, I I think our, our approaches and our philosophies and our policy settings have got to be founded in reality. What is the reality? The reality is, oh look, human beings apparently like to use drugs. Some of the people who like to use drugs like to inject those drugs. And there's lots of reasons why uh, there are lots of implications uh, for individuals and public health, but the reality is that people inject drugs. Okay, so if we come from that reality and we say, well, what are the preventable harms? What can we do about this? We apparently can't stop human beings from using drugs. You know, there are 
8 million Australians right now alive in this nation who have used an illicit drug at some point in their lifetime. 8 million. So we can't imprison them all, and even if we did, we can't stop them using drugs, so let's look at what the policy settings and services are. Let's look at what the harms are. Harms from injecting drug use include bloodborne viruses and other health conditions. What can we do about that? Well, bloodborne viruses transmit between people who inject drugs when they share injecting equipment. Maybe we can reduce the sharing of injecting equipment. So we need to make people aware we need to educate, but we also need to do something pragmatic about the supply of equipment. We can do that. We can do that pretty easily. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's where I come from. Check it out. There was a, a statistic you gave me about, you said about 14% of people who come out uh, of prisons come out with hepatitis C. They yeah, don't go in yeah. there with hepatitis C. So this is the incidence rate. Conveniently, I only have to remember one number for two different things here, but I'll, I'll say what both of them are. So the incidence of hepatitis C transmission in prison is 14%. So um, per 100 person years. So if you incarcerate 100 people in prison, uh, then assuming they don't have hepatitis C, you incarcerate 100 people without hepatitis C, at the end of a year... 14 of them are going to have hepatitis C. Yeah. So that's the incidence in prison. Um, They're not... uh, I don't believe those numbers relate specifically to people who inject drugs. That's the incidence of hep C transmission in prison. And and 14% is also the incidence of hepatitis C transmission in the community for uh, current injectors. So people who inject... Okay, so how do we get around an NSP in a prison, given that you're using sharp equipment? Forgive my ignorance, but like mm. you could use a needle as a shiv. It's dangerous equipment to have in there in the first place. How do we go about creating an NSP in a prison? Okay. If the reality, if your prison that you operate, Lee, over there as an independent Operator, or as a you know, the new state and territory of Australia, or something, the state of Lee. If your prison has no drugs and no injecting equipment, you don't want an NSP. No. Why would you do that? No. Um, but that's no nobody's prison looks like that. Nobody. Mm. So, so this is that counterfactual again. So the the reality, the counterfactual for NSP in the prison starts with a reality that our prisons uh, contain people who can access drugs and access injecting equipment. So, okay, a syringe is not a desirable object. They've got them now, right? All of the equipment that's in prisons in circulation now is harmful. Yeah. All of it, because it's all reused. Mm -hmm. And so if an NSP is designed in such a way that somebody surrenders a syringe in order to access a sterile syringe, then the numbers of syringes haven't changed. Um, The prison hasn't become less safe. It's become more safe. Check it out. So how do you operate an NSP on that basis, given that that person who is using drugs would have to identify themselves in order to make that exchange? Mm. 
There's lots of models. Prisons go about this in, in various ways. That could be done. Suffice to say that it can be done anonymously. It, yeah, it, okay. it, it can be done anonymously um, and it can also be done you know, a lot more visibly. For example, there's prisons, I think probably the best prison NSPs in the world issue a needle syringe to every prisoner and, and that it's got to be visible, it's got to be stored in the cell in the same place and that's not contraband, that's okay. okay. If it's not there, you're in trouble. Right, you know, I get it. You know, so like a tooth toothbrush in the holder by the like, sink. like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So there are some prisons that operate um, syringe vending machines, mm-hmm. and and you've got to put a syringe in to get Do a syringe it. out, and everybody's issued with a dummy syringe when they come to prison. So nobody's saying you have to use it, you know, but it's got to be there where the syringes go in your cell. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And if you, if you need to exchange that syringe for another syringe, then you go to the machine that enables you to do that. And your actual syringe has got to be there, visible, from the door where the syringes go in the cells. Right. And if they're not, there's trouble. Yeah, That's you know, not a bad idea. Yeah, that's clever. So how do, people, how do people hide their drug use? Well, they hide in plain sight. And it's not about getting away with it. It's about designing a program that people will use. So we could design a program in our own prison of NSP, and if prisoners reject it, then it's a complete and utter waste of time. Mm. It's failed because it hasn't met the needs of the community that it's designed to serve. And the model that was proposed and then voted down by prison officers wouldn't have, I'll, I'll just say this, wouldn't have been the most popular amongst detainees. Check it out. So our prisoners have an NSP now. They run it. They're prisoners themselves? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It circulates a limited supply of unsterile equipment and it causes harm. Yeah, right. But they have an NSP. So if somebody wants, if somebody accesses a drug and wants to inject that, then they have the means available to do that. You know, it might take a day. Depending on who they are, they might need to pay or they might not. You know, access to the NSP is going to be heavily dependent on where you are and who you are. But there is an NSP. Mm. Um, It's the worst possible model that could be designed. You know, out of all the possible models of NSP, that's the worst one. Mm. And it's the worst one for detainees and for staff and for the community in public health terms. It's just the worst. And that's the one we've got. Mm. And, And the vote that was put to corrections officers when they turned down a regulated model wasn't, do you want to keep the one we've got? But by default, that was the choice that they made. Yeah. No, no, we're happy with the one we've got, thanks. And and it's the worst. And Because it, it not only puts the prisoners at risk, it puts the staff at that prison at risk. Indeed. That's really interesting. And the budget. So if you don't care about people and prison's health, that's okay, mm. that's all right, not everybody does. I do, but not everybody does. All you've got to care about is the budget. What are the health implications? Well, a course of hepatitis C treatment right now is valued at around, well, depends, forty-five to 130000 but let's settle for most people at around about $66,000. $66,000 to treat to somebody. To cure hep C. To cure hep C in one individual. Yeah. Yep. Holy. There's your retail price, about 66000 okay. So... The retail price of a sterile syringe is probably 10 cents, 
Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you don't have to care about people. Check it out. Prison NSP has been a fairly high-profile issue in the ACT in the last few years and has been covered by every media outlet, both sides of the debate. And it's fair to say that some people who've participated in that debate have tried to paint proponents of prison NSP as the lunatic fringe, really. And what I'll say about that, I think this is an important point to remember, is that actually people who support prison needle exchange are the rational majority. So we're talking about organisations like... Just tell me if this sounds like the lunatic fringe to you. The World Health Organisation, the United Nations, UNAIDS, World Hepatitis Alliance, Hepatitis Australia, AFAO, the Public Health Association of Australia, the AMA, the Pennington Institute, University of New South Wales, the Burnett Institute in Melbourne. These are not lunatic organisations. You know, these are credible, evidence-based organisations of eminence. And that didn't even get to the individuals who put their name to this. You know, so what John Didlick says, or the policy position that hepatitis ACT takes, they, they're important to John Didlick and hepatitis ACT and, and, and a part of the local debate here. But I'm not putting myself and my views in the same category as those others. And when I look at the other side of the argument and I say, well, who are the opponents of prison NSP? Who are they? So if I'm talking about UN, World Health Organization, etc., who's on the other side of the debate? Well, it's the prison unions. That's who that is. You know, and I'm not going to call the prison unions the lunatic fringe here. Maybe I'll be generous and say there is no lunatic fringe in this debate. Um, there is just a range of perspectives. But I'm pretty confident on, given the arguments that I subscribe to, that I'm on the right side of evidence-based practice here. Check it out. Completely off topic, just to wrap things up. You're working out of Canberra. I work out of Canberra. What's your favourite part of Canberra? Winter. Fair call. Yeah, it's just gone. I know. People had been coming up to me saying, oh, how have you been coping with Canberra winters? And I'm going, I'm from Melbourne. There's really not much to cope with. At least it's dry and it's sunny. True. I've found it worse in Melbourne than here. Right. During winter. We get we do get colder. Yeah, but you can deal with it. Yeah, I like the cold. I like the I like the seasons. I like what we can get to from near Canberra, you know, from around Canberra. You know, when people talk this place up, they say, oh, yeah, but it's just couple of hours from the coast, couple of hours from the snow. And now that's nice, but that doesn't say much about Canberra in itself. It just means that it's near good places rather than it is a good place. You know? <laughs> yeah. Canberra's a great place. Yeah. Yeah, I love Canberra. John Didlick, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Lee. I enjoyed it. My thanks to John Didlick. My name is Lee. Until next time, check it out. For more information, visit our website at aidsaction.org.au. Follow us on Facebook or become an AIDS Action Council member. You know you want to.
LGBTIQ health, lifestyle, and community news. Check it out. Is brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone.